Welcome to another edition of the Cuz I Have To podcast, where living your dream is the only option. That's right, Jason. <laughs> and we are up to episode 68, and we're wow. feeling great. That's right. <laughs> Our guest this week is Sky Bergman, an accomplished award-winning photographer, also uh, has made her directorial debut in a movie we just watched, which was great, called Lives Well Lived. Here's a quick clip from her film. I mean, I just lived my life one day at a time, and I did everything the way I thought I should do it. It's not your numerical age, it's your biological age. So think young, act young, feel young, forget the number. We're going to dig into her career and her deep passions. I almost said deep, dark passions. I don't know where that's coming from, but I guess <laughs> Sky will let us know soon enough. Uh, that is all coming up on the pod. Welcome to the Cuz I Have To podcast, where living your dream is the only option. We're your hosts. I'm Julie Slater. And I'm Jason Friday. And we've been scouring the earth for people living their dharma so we can share their stories with you. And hopefully we help you find your dharma. Let's do it. All right. Welcome, Sky Bergman. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. So you're a photographer. You're also a professor of photography and video at Cal Poly State University, which I just learned that uh, San Luis Obispo is called slow. Yes. And never call it San Luis Obispo because we will know you're not from here. If you call <laughs> <Right>. it that. <laughs> San Luis Obispo. That's like uh, very New Orleans good. and New Orleans and... Oh, yeah, uh, all that. But um, yeah, I, so it was kind of wild. I it, it's what I love is just sometimes I think it was on LinkedIn. It's like we must be connected to somebody. And I happened to just see a post of yours or your profile. And I was like, oh, what's that all about? And then I saw that you had this movie, Lives Well Lived, uh, where you followed um, all these amazing older people like uh, they're from 75 to 100 years old and kind of figuring out how they really lived a life full of, of greatness. And, and I'm imagining no regrets, just great stuff. So anyway, I saw the documentary and I was like, we need to talk to Sky. So yeah. <laughs> it's such a great uh, movie that everyone should check out. It's on PBS. I know you can rent it on Amazon Prime. It's on all the different places, but I guess, okay, tell us number one, what is, what is your truest passion? Uh, are you living your Dharma, so to speak? <laughs> I, I think so. I actually just retired from teaching um, in December. So oh, I wow. am, I, wow. I feel like, I am jumping off of the cliff and doing something totally new, which is to um, dedicate the time that I have to making more films because I love filmmaking. And I, as you mentioned, this was my directorial debut. Um, before this film, I'd only done videos of my grandmother cooking. So this was a whole new passion for me. But I also think that through the film, because one of the things that 
drew me to doing the film really was my love of my grandmother and the connection that we had and that we shared. And I was looking at, at 50 and she was approaching a hundred and looking for role models out there that were like her. And, um, you know, I realized that I had this lovely, wonderful intergenerational connection to my grandmother that so many people don't necessarily have. And so my latest passion is really creating more of these intergenerational projects. We've been bringing high school and college students together with older adults and creating intergenerational projects. And so that's really what I'm looking forward to doing that and some more filmmaking that also incorporates that idea of um, connecting generations. Those are the things that are kind of really fueling my fire and making me excited about the next phase of my life. How long were you teaching photography? So I taught for 30 years, 27 of which at Cal Poly. And, um, you know, I loved every minute of it. And I've had several people say, oh, my God, you're so young. You're only 56. I can't believe you're retiring. And I said, you know, I I mean, in some ways, financially, it's pretty stupid because I'd be making the most money that I've ever made. But I have never ever lived my life thinking about why I should do something for money. I've always thought about why I should do something because I, for the love of doing it. I mean, even creating this film, um, I had no idea how I was going to create a film where I was going to get the money from it. Uh, I ended up doing Airbnb in my house to fund the film. So, you know, I've always learned to do things in a creative way and follow my passion rather than following that fear of, will I have enough money to make something happen? In fact, my motto for the new year is instead of letting fear drive me, let my curiosity drive me. And so that's kind of my new motto for 2022 is um, curiosity over fear. (laughs) That is amazing. I love it. Yeah. I, uh, that, you're just like bursting you're bursting with all this positive energy I, i'm gonna take it in yeah <laughs> i'm soaking it up i sometimes i just sit here and i'm like zoned out and then i'm like all oh, right i should say something oh i'm sorry i, <laughs> I was involved too deep uh in a positive way of course um <laughs> awesome well tell yeah. us how your movie came about and for people who haven't seen it you know give us a little more detail about lives well lived. yeah yeah absolutely so um i you know as i mentioned it really came about because of a love of my grandmother and my grandmother when she was 96 she came out to visit me for the first time from florida she lived in florida and i'm out here in california as you mentioned san luis obispo or slow town and um she for the next four summers she came out here and spent the month of august with me which if any of you have ever been a Florida in August, you know, it was a really good time to get out of Dodge and come out here. I mean, most times um, are a good time to get out of Florida. (laughs) I live there. Right now it's really beautiful there. But uh, anyway, she, um, she was an amazing cook. And, you know, when I was a kid, we would cook together. And when she came out here, um, we started cooking together again. And I started videoing her because like any good cook, she never wrote a recipe down. And I realized that that was the only way that I was going to capture her and that I really should capture her cooking. And we started this little web series that I called Cucina Nana, which means grandma's kitchen in Italian. And it was so, so delightful. And we just had a blast with that. And when she was turning 100, I went back with her to Florida for her big birthday party. And she was still working out at the gym and which is, was amazing. Cause it would, you know, she had this phrase, move it or lose it, which I always think of. And by the way, for those of you that think you're too old to start working out, she was 80, eight zero when she started working out at the gym. So it's never too late to start something new. 
Wow. And, um, I was putting a lot of pressure on us. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> a lot of pressure on me too. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, well, I better film this because nobody's going to believe that almost at a hundred, she's, you know, still working out at the gym. And thankfully I had a mic on her and I said to her, grandma, can you give me some words of wisdom? I don't know. It's kind of just like a spur of the moment sort of thing. And she said, um, live life to the limits and be kind. And I just thought, I need to find other people out there like my grandmother, because I was looking at approaching 50, that half century mark, which I think at least for me was a big deal. There was something about 50 that was like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? What's the rest of my life going to look like? And really the role models that I was seeing out there in the world were so negative in terms of aging. Like all the movies were really negative or they were very stereotypical and not in a positive way. Um, you know, the things that you see in the media are all anti-aging creams and anti-aging this and that. And let's face it, the one thing we all have in common is that we age each and every day. And so, you know, it was, I, I really wanted to start this journey of just finding people who could be positive role models like my grandmother, not in thinking I was going to do a film, but just thinking that I, I just needed to do this. And so I, um, took four years and interviewed 40 people. And at a certain point along that journey, realized that I, that I needed to make a film. And, um, so that was, that was kind of how it all got started was, was really a very personal journey. And I always say, and you probably, because of your podcast, I, I, I feel like we're kindred spirits. So one of the things that I say is the more personal, the more universal the message becomes. And I, I really feel like it was a very personal journey for me, but it has, has touched so many people on a universal level. Um, but it really started out as a completely personal journey. Did you have any obstacles, you know, putting together, getting a film made? No, so easy. Here, like, oh, yeah, right. Uh, okay, Let, let's start with that at the beginning. Like, Where should I, I start? No, yeah. I had no idea of how to make a film. Um, I had no idea I was making a film. I mean, to be honest, I really just thought I need to interview these people. And I did, you know, I am lucky that I was at a university. And when I realized I was going to do this project, because again, I didn't know it was going to be a film, I thought, huh, I should probably have lunch with some of the people that teach like psychology of aging and social sciences and ask them if you're going to do something like this, like, uh, here's some questions. What am I missing? Like, you know, and so I had a, a group of like 20 something questions that I, that I got some help from my colleagues in terms of structuring. And, um, and that was really helpful, but then, you know, I didn't know anything about funding, about music rights, about, uh, historic footage rights. And we have a motto at Cal Poly, where I used to teach, it's learn by doing. And I felt like I was living that motto as, and I always do every day. I'm still living that motto, which is, you know, every day you learn. Um, I also am not afraid to say, I don't know how to do something and ask for help. So I would reach out to other filmmakers. Um, I edited the whole film on Final Cut, which is an Apple product because I could go into the Apple store and ask the Apple geniuses for help. And that made all the difference in the world. And, you know, so little things like that and, um, you know, and figuring out that instead of writing grants to do the film, that it was a heck of a lot easier just to rent out some rooms in my house and, and fund the film that way. And, you know, just getting creative about how I made it happen. And I think that was a really good lesson for me is that if you really believe in something, you instead of saying why you say, why not? And you kind of just figure it out as you're moving through it. And it's really pretty amazing what you can accomplish if you don't let your own fear uh, stand in your way. 
Absolutely. I'm just thinking to myself as you're speaking, I'm like, oh, right. You are a teacher because you're like, (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) But these are all things that we talk about on the podcast about, you know, your fears and people don't do things. You know, how about have you had to overcome perfectionism? Oh my God. Absolutely. I'm still overcoming. You never overcome it. Um, I am. I mean, I think that that's just something you have to remind yourself. Like now I'm doing a lot of posting on social media because I'm networking and meeting some amazing people and I want to make each and every post perfect. And it's like, no, just get it out the door. And nobody (laughs) is going to know that it's not exactly perfect or that I misspelled a word every once in a while. I'm dyslexic. So for me, that's my biggest thing sometimes is that I, I look at it afterwards and I can see that I've, you know, made a mistake, but in the moment I, I don't see it. And, uh, and it's okay. Cause you know what, you can go back and edit it and people are totally fine with that. So I, I am learning. And I think that this will be a constant battle my whole life, not to be a, as much of a perfectionist as I, as I can do. And then you don't get things out the door. So you have to right, kind of let right. go a little bit. Yeah. If you sit there <laughs> waiting for things to be perfect, then it never gets done. Uh, yeah, exactly. exactly. So you'll, you'll be waiting a long time. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, the way that I've overcome that is to give myself deadlines because I have to get it done by a certain deadline and whatever point it's at, it just has to get out the door by then. And whether they are self-imposed deadlines or deadlines that are real, I think that that has helped me kind of just, you know, like now I'm trying to do five posts a week. Well, you know, I mean, some of them are going to be better than others. And and that's okay. <laughs> so, Are you going to sure. join the TikTok craze? Have you been doing any dancing? No, it's very interesting. <laughs> My nephew was trying to get me to do TikTok. And what I realized is that um, I think that I don't want to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. And so for me right now, I may join TikTok at some point because I think it is a very valuable tool. But for me right now, LinkedIn has been my kind of focus. And I, and I post on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter as well. But I really feel like you have to find where your tribe is and and where you're going to reach the most people that are going to connect with what you're doing. And if you try and do everything, you won't do anything well. And so for me right now, at least LinkedIn has really been my my tribe and, and where I'm connecting the most. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I won't you know, pivot at some point and do TikTok when I, you know, try something new. Yeah, exactly. Go slow with the TikTok though. People go nuts with it. (laughs) Well, when you talk to people about social media, uh, I've heard a friend of mine's really deep diving into TikTok and they're like, you got to do three posts a day. You know, there's like all these like, oh boy. So I can see just in the start, you're just like, oh, I don't want to, I don't know if I want to do all that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm fine with where I'm at. So yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. So, what were some of the biggest takeaways from all the people you interviewed on how they they lived a life well lived? Yeah, you know that's a really good question, and I think for me um, personally, there there's been quite a few takeaways. I think the the most interesting one 
was that everyone, no matter what age you are, we all need a sense of purpose, a reason for, for being. And I think that one of the things that all the people in the film did very successfully was have a sense of purpose, whether it was, you know, Rose Albana Ballestero, who still teaches English as a second language in the morning, or Lucky Louie, who is a pediatrician who gets up and makes mozzarellas for his daughter's deli in the morning, whatever it is, that sense of purpose, I think, whether you're 20 or 80, or 90. It doesn't matter. We all need to have that. And I do think that in some ways, that's a bit um, what we're finding during this, this time of COVID is that people are redefining what their sense of purpose is. And I think that's really been, I think that's part of the great resignation actually, is people kind of figuring out, boy, this is not my sense of purpose and redefining what that means. Um, so I think that was kind of the biggest uh, realization for me. You know, the other one is which is so cliche, but it's so true, is to live more fully in the moment and to just be more grateful for each and every moment. And I don't know that I was doing that before I interviewed all these people, because I do think, and, and I think this is fairly normal when you're, you know, at a certain age, you're raising your family, you're trying to get ahead at your job, you're just like trying to get food on the table for your kids and like do it the whole thing the next day. And you forget to just like look around and be grateful for that moment. And so I'm learning to do that far more often. And um, I think that that was such a gift because, you know, a lot of times people look back on their lives and then realize, oh, wow, I didn't really appreciate that, how good I had it at that moment. You know? And, um, and interestingly enough, you know, I've talked to my kids and sometimes they will tell me the things that I thought were the things they would remember from their childhood. It was the little things, like the little tiniest things that I never, Never even like dreamed of. So you just never know how much you make an impact on someone and what those moments are that we should be grateful for. And then I think, you know, the other thing is just um, practicing the art of kindness, that being kind and, um, you know, one person in the film says, you know, just treat other people the way you'd want to be treated. I mean, it's as simple as that. And if yeah. we, it, it's so it's like that, that cardinal rule. And I think if we remember that, um, especially in times where we might be having a hard time, but you feel so much better when you treat somebody with kind. It's amazing how much better you feel when you walk away because you've been kind in a situation and and how miserable you can feel if you hold on to anger and how much better life is if you can let go of that and just be kind. And, you know, being kind could just be saying hello to somebody on the street that that just they, they're kind of shocked that you say hello. I mean, it's amazing the little random acts of kindness that you can do. And then the big ones as well that can make Make a huge difference. Yeah, totally. I completely agree with that. Yeah, there are times where you know I'd say I'm a pretty nice and kind guy, but there's probably been times where I'm not, and then I am upset afterwards, and I'm like, "What the hell was that?" Yeah, <laughs> so simple. Like, come on, man. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, and then I'm like, "All right, well, I am human, so just take relax, take a step back." Yeah, and I think the thing is, if we, if we all learn yeah. from that, you know, and you can take a step back. And then the next time you're in that same or a similar situation, you learn from it and you go, okay, I don't want to do that same thing. Cause that didn't make that person feel good or me feel good after that interchange. So I'm going to change how I do things. Then, you know, that's part of life. We're learning constantly every day. So that's, that's just, you know, if you can take those experiences and learn from them, then, then that that's okay too. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah, exactly. That's right. Mm -hmm. How do you feel doing this film? Did it change you? Did it change your outlook? Is it 
did that make you decide like, oh, I think I'm going to retire from teaching photography? Well, I think um, it definitely changed my outlook. I mean, you can't have interviewed 40 people who are 75 and older who then become, you know, your good friends. I mean, I always say that my grandmother left me the greatest gift, which is the gift of 40 new grandparents. And I have these amazing people in my life that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And I still, you know, my grandmother has passed away and so have some of the people that were in the film, but I'm still in touch with a number of the people that are in the film who I call on for their advice and their wisdom and who definitely um, have helped me, uh, you know, just live a better life, I think, in, in many ways. I think I'm more calm and more peaceful. And I do think that going through the pandemic, I think that their stories of resilience help me get through that time. I mean, really, I think about their stories and what I'm going through. And it, it kind of just reframes my attitude very quickly about um, what, what's happening for me and what they were going through. I mean, I, I think about Marion Wolf, who was, uh, for those of you who haven't seen the film, and this was the moment actually that I realized I needed to make a, a feature film. So this was a very poignant moment when I was interviewing Marion Wolf, who um, was on the very first kinder transport out of Vienna, Austria. And the kinder transport was during World War II um, the Quakers in the United Kingdom were trying to rescue as many Jewish kids as they could from Germany and Austria. And this was right before the war. And Marion was eight years old and she was rescued uh, on a kinder transport on the very first one out of Austria. And she still had that cardboard number that she wore around her neck at eight years old to identify her. And I remember, and I get chills literally every time I talk about it. And I remember doing that interview with her and realizing that First of all, oh my God, what was I doing at eight years old? And here, what was she doing? She was leaving her family, going to a country where nobody spoke the language by herself in the right before a war was going to break out. I mean, it, it just blew my mind. And it also, for me, was that pivot moment. And I think that's also really important as a kind of a teachable moment was that sometimes you're on one path. Like with this film, I was thinking that I was going to collect all the words of wisdom of these wonderful people. But it also was about collecting their amazing stories and what they had been through in their lives. And so it really that interview really just made me decide that I needed to put a film together because their stories were too important and they really needed to be heard. And it also, like I said, changed the direction of how I was approaching the at this point, then a film, which was to tell their stories and also share their words of wisdom, but their stories were, were vitally important as well. Yeah. The stories were, Oh my God. I mean, there were so many moments where we're watching and we're just yeah. like, it was, it's it, ah, so, I mean, like you just said that one, and that's one story of one of those people right. and you're just in awe it's mindful. And many of them had, had kind of similar stories or at least around that same time and era. Um, yeah, it's phenomenal. I really yeah. hope everybody watches it because it was changing for sure for us. I, we really were touched. Oh, that's nice. Well, you know, one of the wonderful things that we are doing, as I mentioned, is these intergenerational projects. 
And um, the film, we show the film first to older adults and to the students. And what that does is it kind of allows the students and even the older adults to think about why it would be interesting to talk to each other and to open that conversation. And then the um, they use the questions that I formulated that I asked everyone, because I think the other thing, you guys interview people all the time, so you're used to asking really good questions. But if you're meeting somebody for the first time, and they're from a different generation. Like, what do you talk about? How do you start that conversation? So having that framework is really helpful and really important. And um, it's been super successful. And then at the end of the quarter of the semester, they do a big wrap party and they talk about what they've learned. And I will tell you one of the most heartwarming things for me during this time of the pandemic, because we've been doing it virtually um, for the last couple of years, we, we were doing it in person and then of course had to pivot like everyone else. And um, we're working with senior Planet, which is part of AARP, which is wonderful. But a student during the presentation, he said this was the first new friend he had made during the pandemic. And I just thought, how cool is that? That his first new friend is an older adult in his 80s. And, you know, I do feel like we're so siloed in so many ways by age and how wonderful it is to break down those stereotypes about aging one story and one connection at a time. And that ageism kind of goes in both directions. I mean, it's older people have ageist ideas about young people and vice versa. And so, you know, it's really hard to have a stereotypical belief about another, the other, when you know somebody from that other group and all of a sudden those stereotypes break down and disappear. And, you know, it's just, it's such a, it's such a wonderful project to keep that going. And it's nice that the film is able to be the catalyst to get that conversation going. Yeah, absolutely. And where are those classes or what you're talking about? Where are those being held? So we were doing it here at Cal Poly, um, but also um, University of Iowa did a a whole thing. And um, there's been another a a number of universities and high schools around the country that are doing kind of similar projects. We have um, on our website, there's a take action part of the website and there's a description of how you can implement an intergenerational project in your uh, institution. And also I'm working with PBS Learning Media to put together an intergenerational um, learning module for K through 12 teachers so that they can implement something in their classroom. So they'll use um, some of the clips from the film and they have a whole activity that they can do around it. And, you know, one of the things that really bugs me that they do in elementary school is they have this project, which is on the hundredth day of school, they have students dress like what they think a hundred year old is. And it's again, such a stereotypical thing, instead of like, my grandmother didn't look like any of those people. <laughs> I mean, you know, so I, I, I really encourage and, and want to encourage more of that dialogue and more of that interchange so that those um, students then are not fed that stereotypical line of what people are supposed to be like when they're, you know, when they are older. And um, so that's, that's been a really big push for me. And that'll be out on um, PBS Learning Media in May. So that'll be free for K through 12 teachers to, you know, use and download and, and, and be have as part of their classroom curriculum. Oh, that's wonderful. That's inc- yeah, that's yeah. seriously, that's going to, I really think that will make such a cool change and impact, I guess, right? You know, that's the I whole hope. point of it. <laughs> Yeah, right, right. Yeah, one would hope. But I would, I mean, just envisioning what you're saying, I'm pretty sure it will do something. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. So what's next for you, like with the film? No, you have uh, actually put the film together a couple of years ago, but is it just now showing in places? 
Well, we, you know, we had a theatrical release a couple of years ago, and then I did a lot of community and educational screenings, which I'm, and Q and A's, which I'm still doing. And, um, you know, and now it released on PBS. And so that's been, you know, a whole resurgence, which has been lovely. Um, and, uh, now I'm doing, um, trainings with corporations around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And as you know, ageism is one of those issues. I've worked with a couple of companies so far. And so if you know any companies that are interested in that because it's kind of a nice program that we put together um, with the film and, you know, a, a big a whole session that is wonderful. So I'm doing a lot of trainings and a lot of those kind of things, um, but I'm still working on other films. So the next film that I'm working on is called, um, it's a short film that's already been in film festivals, but I'm making it a little bit longer so that it'll be on a half an hour program on PBS. It's called Mochi Suki. And mochi, I don't know if any of you ever have had mochi, probably from Trader Joe's or Costco, which is not really mochi. It's like the mochi <laughs> ice cream fake stuff. But, um, I, I, you know, I love the mochi suki ceremony, which happens usually the week between Christmas and New Year's to bring in the new year. It's a Japanese ceremony where they pound rice and they make these mochi balls. And it's so beautiful because generations come together. And um, I was able to film uh, that ceremony three different times here in California with um, Susie Edo Bauman's family, who's in the Lives Will Live film. And, you know, I think I, I identify with that because uh, I grew up in my grandmother's kitchen and that was, you know, in the kitchen when you're cooking, that's when the best information comes out. That's when the best wisdom comes out. You're just working together and, and creating something and, and nourishing each other with words and with food. And so, um, I, I really fell in love with that. And I also, you know, like I said, the more personal, the more universal, uh, by looking at me, you wouldn't know that I have a Japanese connection, but my, um, brother is married to a Japanese woman and has two kids. And so, and they live in Japan. And I love that on one of the days that I was filming the Mochisuki ceremony, my nephews were also participating in a Mochisuki ceremony in Japan. And so for me, it, although this won't come up in the film, but just, you know, as a little background, it's like, I, I love that I'm learning a little bit more about their culture and what's important and, you know, some of the things that they do, because, you know, Japan's pretty far away, so I don't get to see them as much, but this ties me back to my own family as well. Yeah, that's really that's great. great. Yeah, I, I, I love, love different cultures, and but the Japanese culture is definitely a very unique one in so many cool, cool ways. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the Mochisuki, they they made that even when they were interned during World War II. And so, you know, there will be kind of a history of why is Mochisuki so important and what does that mean and how does that how does that bring the generations together? So that's going to be the next uh, the next big project. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. I love your curiosity, but also bringing in um, your family wisdom and and tradition and all that. That's really, that's really awesome stuff. So you've been doing some, some great work lady. Oh, thank you. you. (laughs) (laughs) It is time in our program for it's five o'clock somewhere where we ask you five quick questions to get to know you better. Uh, Sky, are you ready? I am ready. Yes. Bring it on. (laughs) Okay. Um, Question number one, name a movie that whenever you catch it on TV, no matter where it is in the movie, you can't turn it off. Casablanca. Mm -hmm. Good one. Fine choice. All right. Question, (laughs) Question number two, do you have a favorite vintage camera? Oh, Hasselblad. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I know that. I have to look that one up. I know, it's I know. Square format, the sound it makes when you take the. Oh, it's just beautiful. Yeah. 
Wow. <laughs> okay, uh, question number three. What is your favorite decade, personally, but also from an art standpoint? Right now, right in this moment. Wow, that's, a, that's powerful. <laughs> okay. Yeah, seriously, you're throwing me off here. Uh, I'm sorry. These quick answers. Usually people take like 20 minutes. To <laughs> I'm like, and? <laughs> All right. Uh, you can only choose one photography or cinematography, and why? Mm, wow, that's a good question. See, now I have to think about that. Um, yeah. I would say um, cinematography and um, because I've done photography for a lot of years and but I, I realized that with cinematography I have had it, just with this one film so much more impact than I had with any of the still photography that I did and, and you know believe me I was in magazines and Smithsonian and, all, and it was cool to see my image on the cover of Smithsonian magazine but the lives will live film has touched so many more people and I think that this medium um, just the way that our world is even doing short 20 minute video pieces on social media and what you know that just has much more of an impact than a, a still image used to so I hate to say that but I think <laughs> cinematography <laughs> all right we forced you to choose yeah I, I mean I definitely like watching I'm a visual guy so but I, I have gotten into videos more so I will say I'm a video guy over a still shot even though I still like it yeah I, yeah I, I do too. I absolutely love still photography, you know, so obviously, I mean, I was a business major undergrad and I took a photo class for fun and I will never forget being in the darkroom and watching that first image emerge in the, in the developer oh and realizing, God. wow, this is it. This is what I have to do for my lifetime, you know? So I think it's really interesting how that has changed, but you know, with cinematography, one of the things that I love is I, I play music. I, I'm a was a band geek when I was in high school and I now play guitar and I and I love that musical timing and I love storytelling and I love the visual side of it. So I think that that putting films together has brought all those things that I love all all together in one package and that's probably why I really enjoy it as, as much as I do. Absolutely. That's that's beautiful. Okay, uh, question number five. Oh, I thought we were at five. Wow, we have one more. That's good. <laughs> and I am going to throw a, a double in here. First of oh. all, what was your grandmother's favorite dish that she taught you how to make? Oh, God. Well, ironically, I loved her baked ziti, but she didn't like pasta. And which is, she's Italian. It's like, Grandma, how could you not like pasta? That's sacrilegious. That's illegal. Yeah, that, that, my heart is I, broken. I, I hesitate to even say that when it's being recorded. Um, but she made amazing soups. And I think lentil soup, which is something that I still make that she made. And that was her favorite. And I, I would say that that's one of mine as well. I love her, loved her lentil soup, so. And what about uh, her philosophy of life? Is there something about, something particular that she, handed down to you that you want to carry on about life and how to live it absolutely she had a phrase it's always better to be kind than right and i you know <laughs> so many times think about that yes we could be right but is that the kind thing to do sometimes? <laughs> and, you know, I think she also would say, sometimes it's best just to zip it. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> not like, um, and, but I think really her, um, her motto of being kind is something that I have tried to, to bring into my life, you know, to really just approach 
every situation with kindness. And I know that sounds a little sacrally sweet or whatever, but you know, it's the legacy that I hope that she left for me because I think that she had so many friends and so many people who loved her and adored her. And I think it really was because she approached each and every person with kindness. And, um, you know, and she also, uh, made everyone feel like they were special. And so I really try and do that as well and really try and connect with people and, um, you know, make everybody feel like they have my attention when I'm talking to them and that I, I send thank you notes, not just emails a lot of times, or I, or I will send a thank you email, but, you know, really um, trying to make people feel like they are valued. And, and that's part of kindness, I think, is, is trying to, to give that sense to people. That's beautiful. Yeah, that couldn't have been said any better, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, serious. You, you've been such a, a positive, bright energy, bright <laughs> energy force in our, okay. in our podcast today. So thank you, <laughs> Sky Bergman. And please, everyone should check out the movie Lives Well Lived and we'll be uh, awaiting your other projects. And really, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your passion. Oh, you bet. Yeah, this has been such a, a pleasure. I couldn't miss out on an opportunity to to meet with you and to be on the podcast. So thank you so much for, for having me. It's been a blast. <laughs> Welcome to the Afterpod, where we talk about our guest after they leave the room. That was Sky Bergman. What did you think of Sky? I loved her. She really... Um, We've really had a lot of, I mean, like you've said, our guests, all of our guests are great. Uh, she really had a lot of, of just like, yes, life is amazing. Live in the moment. Feels yeah. good. Very, very unique. And, you know, like she said, uh, I'm giving up my teaching, at, you know, where she taught it. She's jumping off uh, the cliff. Jumping yeah. off. Yeah. Cal Poly, slow. Um, I mean, that's... <laughs> literally jump jumping we, and we talked to her a little bit um after we stopped recording and she's actually doing a book on the lives well lived so she'll also have a book and then she also has the um the movie coming out about making mochi that i say mochi yeah and it's real mochi it's not the trader joe's ice cream mochi i, I did want to share with our dear listener, you know, you talk about synchronicities. So I happened to follow some random guy on Instagram and he shared a video of people making mochi, which I didn't know what they were doing, but the guy was doing it so crazy. And I ended up putting tool music over it because it was funny and I posted it on my story. Then I went on Sky's, the exact same day, I went on Sky's website and I was like, oh, she's working on another short film. And it was about people making mochi same film you know same different video but same technique mm -hmm. but it was kind of like a wow you know just synchronicity like what are the chances yeah. i've never seen anyone making mochi before and in the same day some guy posts it and then i look on her website and she's doing a short film about it so i don't right. that's what i love about all this stuff is yes is the synchronicity of it when when you decide to go for your dreams and sort of how everything falls into place and that things just work out. That's what we're trying to share here. 
Yeah, exactly. That's why I say like it's so unique and out of this world kind of and just wild and weird and what? She's got some of her her fine artwork is included in permanent collections including the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, Brooklyn Museum, what? Seattle Art Museum. She's done some uh, her work has appeared on covers book covers like Random House. She's been in uh, magazines, the Smithsonian, Smithsonian. Reader's Digest. Arthur Reader's Palmer's Digest? Travel. All right. I need to get Reader's Digest. I, I think know. it's still available. I think so too. Let's get it right Archaeology now. Archaeology Odyssey. Oh. And she, I mean, can you believe she's been teaching at Cal Poly for, what'd she say, 26 years or something? 27, yeah, that's ins- that's. Holy moly. And lives well lived. 100% rotten tomatoes. Yeah. You got to see that. All of you. This is, it's a must. It's insane. It's it's a feel good. There are some touching, sad moments. You know, all these people live through war times and just what they've been through and had to be separate from family and stuff like that. But they really, they come out of it feeling very grateful and positive about life. And right. Yeah. You know, I think about, so people lived through World War II, and then in our current times, you know, some people think having to wear a mask is against their will. Yeah, yeah go. go, go. And it's go like, try. You, you know, like, what? Are you kidding me? I know. Anyway, yeah. we don't want to get on that topic. But uh, no. I just wanted to say that um, Sky was a joy to have on. And I, I really feel like we're really would it be homing in on guests that really they just live they live the point of our podcast they do what they have to do only because they have to right they don't have a choice because they have such a passion for it so it feels pretty good it feels incredible yeah uh, special special people that we have on this freaking program okay (laughs) i won't cry um, <laughs> uh, another great podcast episode. What did I say? 68. 68. In the books. That is so crazy. Who are we having for my favorite number? 69. Well, that'll be you and I, of course. Perfect. <laughs> <else> be? <laughs> That's a wrap, folks. Thanks for listening. Love you guys for tuning in every week. We love doing it every week. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Cuz I Have To podcast. The best way you can help us is share the show. Tell people about it. Share it with your friends on your socials and also leave us a great iTunes review. Just Google Cuz I Have To podcast iTunes. Go to the bottom of the page and there's your review section. Make it good, will ya? Find us on Instagram at Cuz I Have To podcast and email us, especially if you know someone living their dharma and you think they'd be a great guest on the show. It's Cuz I Have To podcast at Gmail. And oh, we do love those voice messages. You can leave us one at anchor.fm slash cause I have to. Keep living those dreams, friends, cause you have to. Till next time.